Hey guys, so this podcast was all about pivoting and understanding your brain, your nervous system, and what happens when we're faced with challenge and specifically what we can do about it so that we're not stuck in that challenge. Yeah, it's so fascinating to talk to a psychiatrist, medical doctor, Dr. Maya Love. She's got such a big heart. She's she's sort of had her feet in both worlds of of conventional uh, care, but also uh, tapping and we discussed tapping into your own intuition and really starting to cultivate, you know, some deeper healing and, and understanding the relationship between the heart and the brain and different centers of the brain that are getting fired up or pruned away when we're maybe doing things that aren't serving our healing. So mm-hmm. it's such a wonderful conversation, so many nuggets and application too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I really loved about the conversation. It's like you're really understanding the science behind all of that, but also there's like daily practical things that you can incorporate in your life right away or just pause and recognize in your life right away so that you can shift when shifting is um, necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so stay tuned uh, for the whole conversation fantastic uh f- fantastic dialogue and she's also local here too so we got a chance to network with uh, an amazing uh, practitioner that's here in our backyard so enjoy welcome to the health ignited podcast with your hosts dr nick and sonia jensen we are partners parents business partners doctors yoga teachers and retreat leaders We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey guys, well, if you've been following our channel for a while or checked in the podcast, checked out the guests, we're always trying to find ways to upgrade our health, optimize our brain function, feel sharper in the day. And sometimes we realize it's not enough to just get up and do the exercise in the morning, just eat the right food, but sometimes we can use an extra little edge. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that we navigate through our day with our kids, our business, and our own self-care. So often we find ourselves um, in a state of sluggishness or in a state of stress or we're having to pivot from one challenge to the next so having a little bit of support can be so helpful yeah and in this podcast like many we talk a lot about brain health we talked about you know optimizing neurogenesis brain drive neurotropic factor and really to have an optimal brain you have to have an optimal gut Mm -hmm. it's one of the tools that we use a lot i actually use every morning it's called pure by organifi has the lion's mane, the coffee bean extract. He has some of that prebiotic fiber that helps to grow those really essential microbes. Apple cider vinegar. Yeah, yeah. So many good things in there. But really what I notice is that just cognition, ease and flow in, in the mind is, is very noticeably different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so get yourself a bottle. It's amazing. It tastes good and the organic ingredients and it's so clean. And if you go to their website, Organifi.com, you can punch in Doctors Jensen and get 20% off. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Health Ignited with uh, Dr. Sonia Jensen and myself. How are you today? I'm good. We were just talking about this week how challenging it is to navigate summer with children. Um, It's such a time that I look forward to and then I forget that there has to be this pivoting and this adjustment. And I know a big topic today that we'll be covering is how we pivot and adjust when things outside of us shift and how our internal world can sometimes feel chaotic. But we can find ways to tap into stillness so we can adjust with it instead of letting it take over. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting because uh, we're always just self-reflecting on the experience. I don't really think about the kids. <laughs> like like they're just enjoying their summer, right? right? But they're mm-hmm. but they're pivoting as well. But I don't mm-hmm. really think about if it's challenging or not for them. Mm-hmm. Just as you're saying that, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder how it is for them. I mean, they're sleeping in a lot. So there's a lot of like self-care that's going on and mm-hmm. they they actually had a soccer camp today and they were concerned because they're sleeping into like 8 8 30 sometimes which is you know magical uh but it's having you know they're having to get into a new routine they're having to adjust again yeah. yes <laughs> so i was just thinking about them in their earlier rise this morning anyways 
Uh, on the topic of shifting, uh, we we really wanted to have a conversation with Dr. Love, Dr. Maya Love, who's a medical doctor, and I'm going to introduce her a little bit before we get into the conversation. So she's a wellness consultant, uh, passionate about uh, well-being. She helps and works with individuals and corporations to grow the ability to tap into that true essence of who they are, that authentic and vital life that we're all searching for. So after two degrees in arts and sciences, she later completed her medical training and then her five-year psychiatric residency program here in beautiful British Columbia. She is board certified in psychiatry and has additional certifications in mindfulness, addiction, yoga, meditation. We were just talking about a, a breath workshop and certification that she's uh, accomplishing and completing very soon too. So much of her clinical work has been trauma-informed, initially working with people from all walks of life and then gradually growing into a private practice, specifically working with public safety personnel, healthcare providers, and high-performance executives. So she offers wellness programs and they've evolved so much just, you know, talking about transition and change. They've evolved a lot just based on, you know, her own evolution. And so helping people support a lifestyle design that prevents burnout in the face of stress and, and trauma. So she has won awards for writing and medical journals and con contribution to psychiatric research and brings her expertise in the exquisite elegance of the nervous system uh, and the brain to her guided meditations, wellness coaching, and beyond. So uh, she's here to help us step into our brilliance. So Maya, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. So welcome, pleasure to be here, absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's it's really cool to be able to, to connect with people who are local, right? Uh, I mean, there's, there's amazing people all over the world, but then when you get a chance to meet people here in your backyard, you know, uh, it's such a great, opportunity to collaborate, connect, but also just know that there's, you know, your family, your extended family of, of healers and, you know, people doing similar work yet different. Uh, it's so nice to be able to, you know, connect with you here locally uh, and virtually. Yeah. I'd love to hear your story mm -hmm. of like how you shifted from a medical model to where you are right now and why that transition even occurred. So I don't know if we can start there. That's a good place. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I'll speak to you. I totally agree. It's so fantastic to connect. I think we're all doing sort of similar work with a slightly different angle and background. And yet we're building this um, new approach together to optimal well-being. So just treating symptoms isn't enough. We want to promote health, vitality, longevity. And so it's so wonderful to connect about this with people all over the world and locally. So I too feel that. <laughs> so I just wanted to start with that. Um, yeah, my, my story, um, where to begin? Um, my whole life got changed when I was 10 years old. I had a lot of death that I met, which made me look at life as, hmm, well, <laughs> what is a soul? And then what does that all come through? Our mind, our emotions, our body. And so I kind of went through life maybe a little differently than other people, um, maybe not. <laughs> and so I would see all the information coming to me and think, well, but how does that compare to this? Like, why am I here on earth right now? So the medical model is fantastic. It's incredible. Like, when I got into medical school, I was like, oh, like, this is, if I knew I was dying in two years, I would just want to be here. I want this information, this experience, this knowledge of the human form, all of the like molecular tiny knowledge and then the bigger knowledge and then the art of medicine itself. So really dove into that, got into addiction medicine and like really got into the brain chemistry and the research and understanding all of that. And throughout that time, I would have these practice patients or these actual patients that would say to me, you're deeply intuitive and you're ignoring it right now to be super science-y, but someday you're going to come back to it. Hmm. So <laughs> that's kind of what happened. Very insightful of these patients, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. It's just beautiful how much patients and clients teach you, right? Yeah. So then there would just be these sort of things would happen. I would really connect with a mentor or supervisor, and then I'd be involved in a more alternative clinic, like Connect Health. I ended up shadowing there for a while, and then I got involved in their wellness, and they introduced me to Dr. Mark Hyman and all that stuff. 
And then as I started to work with people, I started to see a lot more. So I was keen to work a lot. I was in the hospital, um, mainly at that time, working long hours, seeing lots of patients. And sometimes I would, mm, my patients maybe weren't so keen to hear what I had to say. (laughs) So I would sit back and observe a lot. And then I would start to perceive more of the intuitive aspects of who we are. And that made me more and more curious. And that led me to a mentorship with Dr. Alexina Mentor in, I'm sorry, Dr. Alexina Meta in uh, energy medicine. And in that, I started to develop this other aspect that's more intuitive and I can talk more to that later. So as that evolved, I started to see how people would come back from their holidays, my colleagues, all bright and shiny, you know, like a dog with a nice shiny coat. <laughs> and <laughs> after a couple of weeks, they would look worn out and older and tired, yeah. just like me. <laughs> so I thought, huh, what is this? My whole life I've been observing this. How do we really have profound well-being? And not wanting to burn out myself. And facing signs of burnout myself, I started to try all these things over and over and over. And at the same time, I was working with people in wellness workshops and retreats and all these things that I was dreaming of and then were coming into being. And that's where I started to develop a method that seemed to really work. And then the interest for that method became stronger and stronger, leading me to my focus on my wellness practice now. So that's like in a nutshell, and I'm happy to speak to more of it. And there's definitely more to it, but yeah, that would be, that would be it in a nutshell. I'm curious about how, um, sorry, might not be a tricky, might not be able to articulate exactly the way I want to this question, because my sister is a psychologist. And what I've noticed is in languaging and just in her role with her patients, she does more assessments and whatnot for children, but everything feels like it always has to be backed by a study. Like the method has to be backed by a study. Like there's always that kind of languaging. And when we show up using our intuition, often that can be met with um, challenge with challenge yeah. in our professions and whatnot, because they want this like solid evidence, or even sometimes with the patient, if we can't completely show them the why behind all of it, I'm just curious how you were, you're able to navigate that just within your profession and also individually when you're working with patients, how you're able to kind of show that it's actually all connected. I mean, that's, that's the way I see it that intuition and science are connected, that they're not two separate things and that we need both in order to understand everything completely. So I'm curious how you perceive that. So I think it's really important to speak to people where they're at and to use your intuition. <laughs> my, I use my intuition to, to gauge where is this person at? Like how much science do they need and want? And if that's what they want, happy to give it. Like, I love reading through articles and love neuroimaging. I love like, like, like you said in the introduction, the exquisite elegance of our nervous system is so fascinating. So if that's intuitively what feels right, then I'll bring that in. And then when people start to say, it just feels like there's more than that. And they'll say, I've, done this counseling and I've done this functional medicine program and my labs are excellent and I'm clear of heavy metals and I still feel something's not quite right then I feel okay now now we can step into a little bit more of the intuitive so I can bring in the the knowledge I have about the psyche right? So that's part of our training in psychiatry as well. It's like half the psychology and half the brain and nervous system. And then I ask questions. So, oh, and, and what was your connection with your grandmother like? So as I'm sensing there's something with the grandmother line, that genealogy that's coming up for this person, I ask questions. Or Hmm, when you said that, you shifted. When I 
when I see them shift and I see their energy field shift and I see what's going on for them. Like, it's almost like a cloud comes over. They're not shining anymore. What just happened for you? And then if you, if you could have your greatest wish come true, you could, I could wave a magic wand and you could have your life that you desire. What would that be? And then a little light comes on and when did you ever feel that way in your life? Oh, when I was 22, I felt, and then the light grows. And so I use it in that way with people. And then the more they're open to intuition. So, oh, I went to this workshop on intuition, or I did this shamanic healing, or I did this, then, then there's more and more openness there. And if they're right between the two, I've done a ton of reading on the science behind intuition and how we emit light and on our electromagnetic fields. So I can explain a bit more that way. And the one that I find I'm explaining the most is the electromagnetic heart field. That seems like a really easy area for people to connect the science and the intuitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I love how you're describing that because you're not having to explain anything. You're, you're just cultivating this rapport with this individual. Uh, in NLP, I understand it as um, uh, biological rapport. So you're like, you're literally in training with the, the person on a, you know, electromagnetic. Um, there, there's, there's other things going on, which, yeah, definitely they could be explained scientifically through heart coherence or some of these other things. But essentially, you're, you're just allowing them to just bring that to their surface. And so that it doesn't even have to get in a dialogue of like, well, this study shows that. That, that really, I guess, would also take people out of their, their feeling center, their heart center, and then into their head. And then that may be a bit of a distraction. I would imagine. Yeah, the word that I love that you keep using, and we love using this word too, is curiosity. Mm -hmm. So even in your own journey, it sounds like it was curiosity that allowed you to step into this like new realm of understanding yourself and others and how humans work. And also for a client too, invoking that curiosity within them so that they can kind of rediscover or uncover all the things that are necessary. But I think maybe even for the listeners, if you can speak to a little bit of the understanding between the bridge between like the intuition and science around the electromagnetic field or some of these things that you have studied from that intellectual kind of head brain so that we can help them understand it also in the heart brain I think would be useful. Mm -hmm. So um, I gave a talk two months ago for BCOM and I was doing a lot more research around this in preparation for the talk. And I discovered some real cool stuff. <laughs> so, awesome. Um, as our listeners might know, we have the, the heart that is pumping all the time. And in order for the heart to pump all the time, it has neurons that send messages. And those messages are electrical. So we are these electrical beings. And so the neurons are generally linear with little branches. And when they send a signal from one area to another area, that's a charge moving in a line. So anytime you have a charge moving in a line, as you know, there's a electromagnetic field created around that charge. So what I often ask people is, what do you think has a greater electromagnetic field? The heart with its neurons sending those linear currents and then creating this electromagnetic field around it or the brain. And then it's really interesting to hear people say like what they think, is it the heart or the brain and why? And then when I say often it's the heart and it's actually eight feet in diameter and it actually doesn't end, it goes off slow and slow, like it drops off quickly at about eight feet to diameter and then it fades away, but it never fully fades away. Whereas the brain is smaller and the heart field is actually 60 times stronger, then people are like, oh. And, and then working with people, I'm, I ask them, which do you think is responding faster? Your feeling state or your language thoughts? What does it feel like? 
And then people start to say, huh, interesting. So the heart field sets the stage. And I think of it as actually like a tuner. It's tuning the brain to choose what channel you go into. So you can try to change the channel in your brain from, oh, I'm really worried about finances, or I said that thing to that person earlier. Did they take the wrong way? How is our relationship? Those kinds of things. And you want to change the channel to like, ah, oh, I love that person so much. And I'm confident that through my connections with others, I will create abundance and wealth in my life. And you can work really hard in the brain, but if you haven't changed the heart channel, it's really hard to change it. So that's one way um, that it can be useful to explain the science of the electromagnetism of the heart and how important it is. And then the other thing I add is, so when you're sitting beside someone and you get a vibe from them, you're actually picking up on their electromagnetic heart field because you're sitting in their electromagnetic heart field and they are sitting in yours. So where is your heart at when you're sitting with that person? Because no matter what you say, they're going to feel it, you're going to feel it, and that really matters. And so then teaching about as you know, the electromagnetic heart field, when it's in the negative emotions, like frustration, anger, deep sadness, these sort of like lower frequency, coarser, jagged emotions, then that creates inflammation, elevates blood pressure, can elevate heart rate and breathing rate, can make your breath rate more shallow because it affects your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems. Whereas you move into love, compassion, kindness, patience, these more smooth rhythms promote health in your own body and in others. Better blood pressure, heart rate, breathing rate, lower inflammation, lower cortisol. So all these really positive things. So this is so important because sometimes people think that when they go to whether it's psychiatrist or psychologist or therapist or a coach they think oh I'll just be in this really strong emotion of anger or this really strong emotion of sadness and I'll just just be in it and be in it and I'll vent and vent and vent and then I'll feel better no you're actually you're actually rewiring those pathways in your heart and in your brain to promote this state and make it stronger and stronger and stronger so you're entrenching it so yeah I talk about that and then the cool thing that I came across recently you can interrupt me anytime because I'm very happy yeah, yeah. Keep Keep going. Going. <laughs> is that our heart sends more connections to our brain then our brain sends to our heart similar to the gut sends more connections to our brain than the brain sends to the gut so the heart sends this message to the thalamus, which is in the middle of the brain. And there, using the heart's information, the thalamus decides what is the reality going on around me and within me. So your heart field and where you're at in your heart is actually shifting what you think is really happening in the present moment. So how powerful is that? It's so powerful. I mean... You know, when, when f- if people appreciate it, you know, and hope that, you know, just having this conversation, people really, you know, think about that for a second. Like, the, I love how you talked about the, the thoughts as channels. It's kind of like you're either giving that channel really great reception because your heart is, you know, contracted and you're like super angry and you're feeling all the intensity. And so that channel is like, that's the crystal clear channel of like upsetness and frustration, what have you. But then we can also shift that energy center. And so we can also pour some really powerful energy into empathy and, you know, and appreciating choice and, and all these other opportunities. Um, at what point do you think, is there a bit of like a bypassing of like, like, do we need to spend some time excavating some of these heavier emotions or, or like, is it, is it like, what would you say a strategy would be for people? They're, they're feeling some heaviness you know, we, we're, we're taught to you know, feel it, to heal it. So there, there has to be some sort of awareness or attachment. Okay, this is what I'm feeling. 
now I can, you know, cultivate some energy or maybe spend a little bit of time there, but let's not live there. Can you speak to that? Like the, just the appreciation for it's okay to have some dark thoughts or some challenges and, and that's totally normal. And then how do we sort of use the technology of what you just shared to, to shift into um, uh, something that, that could be more uplifting, you know, or ultimately healing? A hundred percent. So yeah, we're human. <laughs> so as right. human beings, we experience dark, difficult, challenging, negative, mm-hmm. like I call them crucible, like emotional states as well, where it feels like there's almost no way out. And so that's only natural to have that part as part of our human experience. So to condemn ourselves or others for having those emotions would be like, it's that's like harming ourselves. They're like not having empathy for ourselves or for others. It's, it's part of the human experience to have those emotions. So I think of the body, like a landscape and the emotions, like weather that moves through it. So you might have this huge storm, Does that mean you need the storm to stay for a week in order to achieve something? Not so much. Does that mean that you need to like push the storm away so you never have storms? Well, storms are great. They sort of clear up stuff. They clear the air. They electromagnetically charge everything. Like there's there's a use and there's an information in every emotional experience. So when we have emotions that are challenging, so grief, loss, um, confusion is a kind of emotional, mental state, Um, despair. I think in the last two years, a lot of people have been feeling despair or loneliness. And it's important to say, okay, okay, what's happening? What is this emotion? What's the name for it? What is it? feel like in my body what does it feel like do I feel agitated do I feel like I can't move (laughs) do I feel like I need like what is that like how do I recognize this more and more because the more we get to know all the emotions the more we see them as they're coming in like as the storm's starting we're like oh here we go (laughs) (laughs) and so to to be able to sit and that's where I love the compassion research. So when I was younger and I heard about compassion, I was like, I don't really understand. Like, what is this compassion stuff? And it was for months. Like, I don't, I don't totally. And then the more I read and the more I understood it, I'm like, oh, compassion is kind of like holding the space, like Mm. the container to allow these different emotions to come and go. Like that beautiful guest house story of, you have the guest and it comes and it sits with you for a while and then it goes. So same with anger or frustration or irritability or sadness or grief, all these things. And so then you know it and you see it and then you get to decide what you want to do with it. And you can put it aside for later to bring to someone else's point of view because dialogue is incredible and we're so amazing when we work together as humans to see each Mm. other or do we want to sit with it in meditation so say I have anger show up do I want to sit with it in meditation do I want to let it just be there and choose not to act from it do I need to write it down knowing that it's shifting my heart field and my brain it's really a choice so then there's a variety of different choices. So <laughs> one of the choices is to go to that compassionate place, go back to the truth of who you are. That's why I like the true essence of who you are, which is light and clarity and energy. And I believe in a soul, so soul, or whatever a person has as their anchor, and then see it from that place. And then be able to, decide what to do next and so that shift into compassion and that shift into listening and that pause is really important and then from that pause then a person can know what to do next so that's something I taught a lot in the hospital Hmm. that's amazing I mean people listening here like wow they 
that happens in a hospital. Like you, you, it kind of threw me off. Like what? That's amazing that that happens in a hospital well, <laughs> well, because, with- because of you, I imagine. Well, it's because, so I worked with this wonderful um, psychiatrist. Hopefully he'll listen. I'll have to get him to listen to this. To share it with him. Dr. Venu Karapreti. And he has this wonderful ability to work in areas of administration and to keep his ears to the ground for innovative approaches while including all the science of our training, et cetera. So he said to me, Maya, Maya, you need to do this in groups. You need to, you need to do something with this. Like, why don't I support you to do these groups? And then the groups were popular. And so then they went to all these different wards. And so he really opened the doorway for that. And he's from India. So he's been trained in yoga and meditation as well as in psychiatry. So I really, I really find him to be quite a, quite a way opener for a lot of people. So a big thanks to him. And then what people needed was really, really basic approaches. So I teach how when you press pause, you activate a part of the brain called the DLPFC. And that holds you back from, so if you're angry, yelling at someone, if you're angry, but you feel you can't express it, overeating or indulging in drugs or alcohol. Or if you're angry at someone and you want to hurt yourself, it's stopping that as well because you you practice that pause. And then in the pause, if you can then bring in the compassion, now you're shifting your heart field. Now you're seeing that emotion from a different state. And then, then there's the learning, which is person-specific and... I find these these tools can be really useful. And at the same time, everyone has their own little window, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Some people it's counting. That's their pause. For some people, it's a deep breath. Other people hate breathing. They don't want to feel their body. For some people, it's imagining a color or being in a natural setting. So there's all these different techniques to help people press pause mm-hmm. to then deal with that strong emotion that is trying to bring their vibe down like literally bring their frequency down yeah. and, and you're like so the dlpfc the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex yeah, yeah. in this area of the brain that literally is neurologically changing with a practice like this right like i, I think it's so important to, for people to really appreciate this neuro neurogenesis this is literally wiring the brain differently and how cool is that that we can do that that we have this plastic nature to the brain right mm-hmm. yeah sorry i got totally distracted our son came in so <laughs> my brain was in different yeah, directions the dorsal lateral yes, prefrontal cortex yes, was getting everything activated. was working <laughs> <laughs> um, no i love this and um in my book i actually in every chapter i have a pause moment mm-hmm. and because this pause i think is the most important piece in all of our healing and we often talk about victor frankel and his quote that you know that moment between the stimulus and the response is where true freedom lies. So this pause that you're speaking about really is where we find our freedom. And like you said, it's going to look differently for everyone. What helps me is questions. And when I'm in that moment asking a question, so then I'm stepping into inquiry, then I go into curiosity of like what's happening. And then not all of a sudden the emotion is dissolving into something else. And um, somebody else that I was, I was reading a book and we taught this at one of our yoga retreats too, is like looking at the polarities of the emotions right. also and understanding that. So if there's anger, anger is just so full of action. Like it can be this fire that can step into action. So I'll invite people to make an action list. So when you step into that emotion, you look at your list right away. Okay. What are things that serve me in action? Maybe it's a uh, walk around the block. Maybe it's doing something else. Maybe it's stepping into like a yoga routine instead of trying to figure out in your mind. So I think I love what you said. I was like, everyone's going to find their unique way of invoking that pause and being able to expand that more and more rather than it just being a millisecond because that's often all we Mm -hmm. have. And then we react. But then if we expand that pause, we can observe first. Yeah, it's it's like we interpret things so quickly, right? We talk about like the observation versus meaning. We're, we're interpreting anger as like bad. Anything that doesn't feel good in our body, it's bad. It's like there's this label that's so quickly attached to it, then, then maybe we feel shame or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it takes us on a roller coaster or maybe in a direction that we don't even need to go, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's 
that's one of the reasons. So I, um, I have a technique that I sent to you. I don't know if you can attach it for people signing into your podcast. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll, yeah. Okay, cool. So one of the things um, I do to invoke neutrality is a non-judgmentalness. So non-judgment is like, don't think of a white elephant. So <laughs> like neutrality, <laughs> but people relate to like, oh, I was judgmental with myself or I felt judged by others or I judged that person. So non-judgment is useful as well. And moving into neutrality is what if your entire experience right now, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual is neither good or bad, wrong or right, true or false. And then a person has to pause and go, well, what if? And then the, all the little hooks of judgment, good or bad. Um, well, I just want to say it, true or false. Like, is this true? Is this actually happening right now? Or am I remembering something? Or what is the science behind this? That's a whole evaluative prefrontal cortex technique that is putting you here instead of here. Mm. <laughs> so unhooking that, good or bad, true or false, wrong or right, so that like judgment of self often is the wrong or right. So you unhook those and then you can relax. So that's the other thing is when we're in those states, we're often kind of like it's unpleasant state and we don't like it. We're often really keyed up. So simply reminding ourselves somehow to relax can help us drop out of the suffering in that state, in the emotional states, mental emotional states. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to go back to speaking about the the heart coherence again, just in a different way. Um, we were you were talking about how the field is about eight feet, and in these last couple of years, a lot of our interactions haven't been in person; they've been like this over Zoom, and even with patients and you know all the meetings that we're having, everything, even with family for a little while when there was lockdown, so you couldn't really feel into a lot of people's fields. And yet I've also had these experiences with working with patients and doing some shamanic training and all that. And like noticing that even though we're miles and miles away, that can still happen. And I believe that the answer to everything is connection and like dis-ease is because of disconnect. And I was reading stuff about oxytocin and Mm -hmm. how physically oxytocin will heal the myocardium after somebody has a a heart attack. So that connection piece that we've all been missing and have been forced into these lives where we have to be six feet away and, you know, not be in person anymore, all these things. I'm just curious from your experience in these last two years, like what have you witnessed and noticed or has that perception changed in any way of like, maybe we don't need to be in person because we can just close our eyes and be connected with somebody else. So yeah, I'm just curious about your thoughts around that. There's there's actually quite a body of research. It's just not talked about as much about the connection that exists between people. Um, I think most people have heard about the dog experiment, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where a person's at work and they have the dog on video at home. And then the person's at work and they decide, okay, now I'm closing up my day and I'm walking towards my car to go home. And the dog goes to the front door at the Mm -hmm. same time. And then they drive the half hour or the one hour home and the dog's waiting. So there's, there's distance healing scientific experiments that have been done and the literature is there. It's just not been a popular topic in our society. So I really believe that we can connect with people all over the world. Zoom makes it beautifully easier. (laughs) And, and I do, I do feel, we feel each other and we feel also the collective unconscious as well, which has been talked about by Carl Jung. It's been talked about for years and years and years. So we are connected. It's lovely to have in-person connection. Um, There's a lot of research on how in-person is the most valuable and then what we're doing right now video connection is next and then it's voice and then it's texting after that so you get more oxytocin as you go up that ladder and at the same time what I found in my practice is that people are so relieved to not have to drive somewhere (laughs) and then (laughs) go into the appointment and then come back they might might 
want that every once in a while, like once every couple of months, but it's so nice to be in their home and there's evolving research. So one of my clients was doing this research in university education that shows that there's actually more of a felt connection when people are relaxed in their own homes, there's mm. more of an ability to speak, there's less shyness. So I think it all works. I think mm. it doesn't have to be good or bad, wrong or right, true or false. I think all of it works. There's all these mental health apps now that are all texting. So, you know, texting might be low on that ladder for producing oxytocin, but it's sure working for some people. <laughs> so it's it's just sort of a a plethora of tools that we have to connect if that answers your question mm-hmm. yeah it does for me too and, and i just think of like you know maybe there's stress involved going to see the doctor there's like get in the car like all this traffic and there's like all these things and so maybe the nervous system of the body isn't even in a really receptive mode for some people because they're having troubles shifting gear especially in that when there's an emotional trauma that's going on so you know that's, that's those are interesting points and i think really important for the times that we're in for people to okay, like the same kind of process can still happen. And, and maybe in my case, at, at this point in time, maybe it's actually even beneficial for me to do it this way versus, you know, in person. So really important. I, so on that topic of, you know, just even the pandemic, one of the things we did want to talk about today was just, you know, where people are at, you know, the shifting, pivoting, all the things that, that, that you so beautifully described before about, you know, the actual physiology and the neurology and aspects of the brain and heart and how that it's all interfacing. What are some, maybe some messages for people right now, or some awarenesses that you see with your clients going through this time where they're stuck, you know, how they're shifting, how they're moving. Some people are really like thriving in this experience. Some people are not, and maybe just um, talking about pivoting and change. So I have two thoughts. So thank you for that question. Excellent question. So one is a thought on adaptive intelligence, which is more and more becoming my central pillar. The more I read, the more I understand. And then about the brain. So I'm going to start with the brain actually, because what we have all been through in the last two years is increased stress. (laughs) So even if you've thrived, it's still a lot of pivoting and change required, a lot of emotional dynamics between people, a lot of changes to how you grocery shop, (laughs) you know? So when we have more stress, if it is prolonged over three weeks, then cortisol elevated for three weeks or longer elevates glucocorticoids, which tends to deplete our hair because it closes our hair follicles, increases wrinkles, affects the heart, and affects the brain. So our beautiful multi-branch brain cells start to get trimmed off by the glucocorticoids. So when we don't have as many branches to our brain cells now we can't learn or memorize as easily so we want to grow those back mm-hmm. so the a great way to grow those back is brain derived neurotropic factor which is produced in the brain so for our listeners because i think you guys probably know this all, already quite well for our listeners exercise is really important cardiovascular exercise doing it in a way that works for you because that's going to promote that bdnf and increase it by 20 percent food maybe some turmeric maybe some broccoli can help you but it's that that exercise that we know increases bdnf by 20 percent helps to grow back those neurons in your hippocampus your mood regulation center your hippocampus regulates your mood and in the rest of your brain as well. There's some interesting new research on spirulina. So by new, I mean over the last 10, 15 years, showing that it also boosts BDNF. Um, I'm sure you know about more supplements being a naturopathic um, area of study, but these are some like exciting things. And then of course, in my field, there's lithium. So lithium orotate has been studied in the States to help improve the BDNF. And then if you are a psychiatric patient and you have the option to have a little bit of lithium carbonate, that can also help promote your neurogenesis to recover from that time of stress. And then all the relaxation techniques as well. Adaptive- plant medicine too would be in there as well, right? What's that? Plant medicine. 
take uh, mushrooms and you know uh, not just the psilocybin but lion's mane and some of these other really cool um you know technology in the in that fungal world mm-hmm. yeah and there's we do also teach a lot on fasting yeah and fasting there's a lot of research too. between fasting and bdnf as well so so many techniques yeah so yeah. many techniques and so that's one way we can all reboot our brains and then adaptive intelligence so the ability to actually pivot and shift so to grow adaptive intelligence we actually have to practice and grow our mindset right the mindset is a set of attitudes to which you have towards the world so starting to look at what are my attitudes towards the world what are my attitudes towards myself what are my attitudes towards the pandemic okay where can I shift those for a more positive and more optimistic outlook? How can I imagine moving forward in the future in a way that builds the kind of future I dream of for me and my loved ones and humanity? (laughs) And when we start to ask those questions, we actually change this subconscious area called emotional cognition. And we start to create more positivity, more optimism, and more resilience to future change, if that makes sense. Totally. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. It's beautiful. In a, I can't help but think too, like the impact of us doing that indiv- individually starts to affect our families or communities, you know, just, just offering a new perspective to someone, you know, because obviously everyone had their own stresses for, for better or for worse during this this whole process, which obviously affected our physiology. And it's fascinating to think of how our stress hormones cleave and sort of prune our, our nervous system and our brain it affects so many things, our decision making, you know. So we're we're gonna pick up the sugar or maybe the alcohol or mm-hmm. you know, to be lean more onto the medications because we feel like you can't cope or what have you. And we we lose a bit of our you know faculty or agency to be able to to be more adaptive. Right. Mm-hmm. So such a such an important conversation. So, so how do you get someone that's in like complete overwhelm with with the stress and life and everything to even recognize that so that they can then utilize the tools of exercise and all the things that we're speaking to? Because often if you're stuck there in that overwhelm, even asking that question of, OK, what's the mindset I'm you know, indulging in at the moment can be a trigger itself because there's all these external things that are going wrong or, you know, the, the world's in chaos and you're watching the news all day and seeing all the things that are well, happening, right? That's step one, turn off the news, right? <laughs> yeah. Reduce the noise. So what's like the first thing somebody can do to help just, you know, bring them back or bring them onto this track. So it can be individual and it comes back to that pressing pause. Mm-hmm. Right. So the overwhelm is like burying the mind is kind of panicky. It's biological. The stress tolerance has built and built. Now the amygdala is firing. Right. So the amygdala is like urgent, 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 urgent. So a big deep breath is really helpful. Just a big, right. Cause that, puts people into their parasympathetic nervous system and relaxes them out of that state. So the belief that the urgent state is going to produce positive effects is the belief that needs to be challenged. And the desire for relief is really useful to use to go to relaxation. And so it's going to be different for different people. A warm shower, warm, hot shower for 20 minutes, sauna, for 15 to 20 minutes, hot bath, those all put people into their relax system. It might be imagining breathing in a color, it might be counting, counting can really calm the amygdala. There's the brainstem techniques. So bilateral movement, walking, running, cycling, the elliptical, um, these um, rocking a rocking chair, horseback riding, Heavy blanket can also work as well. These all reset the brainstem. So when the the prefrontal cortex is agitated and overwhelmed, then the emotional center is overwhelmed and the brainstem's at the bottom of all that. So if you reset the brainstem, you'll step out of overwhelm and then be able to meet your mindset more effectively. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Love it. So so for you personally, you've gone through many transitions throughout your career. 
Um, and so you, this, what kind of opportunity has this uh, pandemic pro provided for you? Well, I, I tend to be fairly conservative. So I kind of like, I have my things all set up and then I really wanted to do more virtual care and I really wanted to move more towards the wellness and I was all set up for it, but I was just like comfortable, mm -hmm. comfortable in the way everything was set up. And so it pushed me, <laughs> it pushed me to change. So um, the pandemic was really beautiful in that by enhancing my virtual care, now I could work more with my socially anxious pa patients. And then when my patients moved, I could work with them. And then as I got more clients um, in healthcare, so nurses, doctors, and first responders, I could meet people all over the province. And then we could also do these groups online. So it was really beautiful in that way. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it all. And yeah, did you ask me only my practice or me? How it's yeah, well, it's, let's get to you oh, too. Yeah. Yeah, of yeah. <laughs> well, I was fascinated. So at first I was very concerned. I was the very first person to wear a mask and then change my clothes after work. And then when they said gown up, I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's count up. <laughs> like, I was like, what is this thing that's impacting us all? Like, let's click go into operation ground zero or whatever that would be right and then I was like oh all this distance from people and then it's like oh this is fascinating actually this distance from people because I would watch a lineup of people waiting for coffee you'd see someone and they're like in a terrible mood and another person's in a like looking at the sun mood and a person walks by with their dog and the dog like avoids the grumpy person and goes and says hi to mm. the person looking at the sun and little kids too they're like their faces would kind of follow as they go past the grumpy person and then their faces would light up so you can really start to see how um sensitive beings were reacting to the energy and the vibe of people wordlessly so mm. I thought that was really fascinating it and is then, fascinating yeah and then the other thing it did is it just expanded my access to the outdoors because the forest heals us. And so I spent more and more time in the forest and I started to feel more and more vibrant just from that feet on the earth, trees around you, nature. And yeah, so in some ways it really expanded my happiness by getting me to reconnect with nature on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Love that. Mm -hmm. So, so, Dr. Maya, the, there's there's the things that you're offering. You're, you're, you've shifted your practice into more of a virtual, you know, reality. Um, what are, what are the things that you're doing for people so they can, if they want to work with you, they want to be a part of the corporate wellness groups and things that you're doing. Please share, you know, how people can access your your information. Yeah. So I have a website. It's uh, drmayalove.com or if you go mayalovemd.com, you'll find it's the same website. <laughs> and then you have to log into view that just, um, sorry, log into contact. That's just a protective mechanism because we have so many bots and stuff on the internet these days. No kidding. Log into contact, then you can send me an email and then connect with me. And so um, if I don't know people at all, I have them complete a screening form. And then we talk for a 15 minute conversation and see, is this something that will work? And I find in 15 minutes, you can usually really tell what mm -hmm. someone needs and what I have to offer. And so I have coaching with three different streams. So one is a touch point. So 15 minutes once a week, and it's a little tune up on sleep exercise um nutrition your brain and mindfulness your relationships your psyche and any beyond stuff so that's like a really fun little tune-up burnout prevention that's like just a light touch and then I have like a little bit more intensive so one-on-one -on -one sessions hourly and then I have a intensive which is a concierge practice so it's like the full thing it involves more of the deep work and then I, for corporations, I do talks and workshops. And then I love doing wellness program designed for corporations. So I love online platforms and guided meditations and finding out what they need and then matching that program to them. So I find that a really fun process. 
And then we're just starting to do some retreats as well. So for corporations, some day retreats up in the mountains near Whistler. And those are just beautiful, like a beautiful location, hiking right outside your doorstep, pure clean food and the meditation and the relaxation and the teaching of the skills. So, yeah. Sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I so what we're going to, yeah, <laughs> so I love it so much. It makes me so happy. <laughs> so for, for all of you listening, we'll put those in the show notes yes. as well. And then you said that you got an audio file for people to tune into as well. So we'll, we'll make sure that people can access that as well. Yeah, um, one, one thing before like Sony's going to ask a, a, an important question again, some people want, maybe still want to be on drug therapy. Some people may, may not be. Um, do you have a particular message that you like, is your goal to get people off medications? Is it to like, just support them where they are and then like whatever unfolds, whatever unfolds, or what's, what are some, just, I think to give people a bit of insight into uh, just your, your background in relation to, to drug therapy. Um, medications can be really helpful. So um, I, <laughs> you know, like spirulina is something that's going to alter you um, lithium is going to alter you. Epival is going to alter you. The food you eat is going to alter you. It's just all in varying degrees. And having worked with some of the most severe psychiatric illnesses, those medications are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just a choice. And it's also where your brain and nervous system is at. So what I've seen with people is when they start to do more of the self-growth and change of the mindset, they actually start to change their nervous system. And then the side effects of the medication start to happen where they weren't happening before. So it can become apparent that someone's now on too high a dose because they've shifted their physiology. And there's a lot of research on anxiety and depression being inflammatory. So they've gotten out of that inflammatory state. So now they just don't need it. So now they have the side effects more. That's something I've seen. any of my psychiatrist colleagues are listening, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of opinions. I think you work with the individual and that's, that's the beauty is of the work that we do is we can work with the individual and every brain is unique. They've tried to, they've tried to map the, the highways of the brain and find what are the highways and they could find some consistency, but what they generally found, I talked with this, doctor down in UCLA at um, the laboratory for neuroimaging down there. And um, he's working on the human connectome project. Every brain is different. So it's again, to me, it's not good or bad, wrong or right, true or false. Everything has consequences, negative and positive. And you just have to work with the physiology in front of you and the person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the such a person. poor message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so our um, last question that we often ask our um, interviewee <laughs> is uh, if tomorrow, if you knew that tomorrow was your last day on this physical earth in this physical form, what is the imprint that you would like to leave? Or the message that you would like the world to receive from the work that you brought to the world? So the thing I feel strongly and I was thinking, hmm, this is the thing I really want to say before I finish is I love the shamans of Peru. I'm watching an eagle fly up here and how they spoke to, we need to dream a new world into being. So can we connect and dream the kind of world into being that we want to see a world with kindness, with respect, with, safe places for our elders, our children, ourselves, with love, compassion, working together in harmony, in unity. Can we, can we do that? Can we work on ourselves and with each other to really actively dream and create that world into being? So starting to look at our creative potential together. That would be my main thing it's a beautiful answer yeah dr my love thank you so much for everything you shared today i love the message at the end Uh, super important for people to really you know appreciate that we all have a capacity to do that and and i love the invite um and and the challenge and the opportunity that each of us have in doing that together yeah so thank you so much 
And thank you so much for what you're doing. I just love it. I love your podcast and your clinic and you the power duo there and <laughs> each other and your family. And I just think it's such a beautiful example of such like a beautiful coupleship and how much you can bring to the world through that. So thank you for all that you thank do. You. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe. 